Hey, I'm Heather, a chaos coordinator and mom of three young kids. Chaos and cookies is literally my life, with never-ending dishes, laundry, you name it. Being a mom is a blessing, but it also comes with hard days too. Together, we can find the humor and real solutions to lighten your load and clean up the crumbs. You're listening to the Chaos and Cookies Podcast. Allison Johnson is a returning Chaos and Cookies podcast guest. I'm super excited to have her back. And for those of you who have not had the pleasure to listen to uh, our last conversation, Allison Johnson is a senior editor for National Geographic Books, where she publishes travel, photography, cookbooks, and illustrated reference titles, including New York Times bestselling Blue Zone Kitchens by Don. Butner, I think is the way you pronounce it. Um, the top selling 5,000 ideas series by Joe Yogurst and a couple of other famous best-selling books. And the last time that she was on the podcast, we spoke about the uh, National Geographic 21st Century compilation series, where it was a lot of beautiful photographs and information. And this was last fall. And uh, she worked as a lifestyle editor previously at Everyday, uh, Rachel Ray Magazine, where she covered food, travel, and DIY. And she lives in Northern Virginia with her husband and two children. She's got a four-year-old and a one-year-old. We're going to talk about the newest edition of the Nat Geo Library. It's called The Complete National Parks of the United States. Let me tell you, this book is amazing. I got it. They send me these copies of books before I interview everyone. And this one's sitting on my coffee table. It's amazing. And it's a really great resource, especially right before the holidays. If you're trying to get outdoors, my brother-in-law was very excited when I snapped a photo of it because he is a very big outdoorsy person, loves photography. And so um, I'm already know what I'm getting you for Christmas. And Uh, And um, in this book, it's a comprehensive and updated guide packed with hundreds of ideas vetted by experts at every site. America's number one national parks publisher provides all of the information you need to discover the beauty and diversity of this country's most iconic national parks, scenic trails, seashores, historic areas, and more. They also cover the U.S. territories in case you're going to the Caribbean uh, and more beachy places. And it's 554 pages for references and it's the ultimate travel planner for all things national parks it has colored photos detailed maps historical backgrounds and practical facts on the location of the park system properties as well as the best times to visit and top rated activities they also cover age appropriate activities and um, booking schedules and things like that so uh, i think you'll really enjoy it the link will be in the show notes. And without further ado, please welcome Allison Johnson to the podcast. Hello, hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Chaos and Cookies podcast. I have a returning guest this episode, and it's Allison Johnson. And if you recall an episode, it was uh, last fall, we talked about the book uh, National Geographic, the 21st century, and it was a compilation of just beautiful photos. And it was, it was a very, um, it was just a great book and a compilation of just photos from around the world of all sorts of things. And so I have Allison back with her newest book that is out that she has edited and it is called the complete national parks of the United States. Let me tell you, this book is super cool. I got it in the mail and I can't wait to actually go to some of these things and use it. 
And so we're going to jump right on into that conversation with Allison. So welcome back to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me back. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to have you. I've not had someone back, so this will be super fun. And uh, I always think that whenever you talk to someone again, it's just, it's like not nice to meet you. And it's just picking back up where we left off. Absolutely. It's continuing the conversation. (laughs) Absolutely. So before we jump in, uh, icebreaker is like I said, when we first, we hopped on was the same and you don't remember it. So what is your favorite cookie and or cookie? (laughs) I do remember that one now. Um, okay. I'm going to say right now it's, um, you know, it's Halloween time. So pumpkins on my mind, but I'm going to go away from that right now. And, um, my mother-in-law actually makes these cookies. They're snowball cookies and they're like a shortbread, um, sugar cookie dusted with powdered sugar that have some chopped up nuts in it. I think she uses pistachios. And when I tell you every holiday, when she makes these, I make her hide the Tupperware container from me because I will eat the entire batch of them in one sitting if left to my own devices. They are so good. I need to get the recipe from her, but I doubt I will ever recreate them the way she does. And so ever since I met my husband 10 years ago and had these for the first times, they have been my go-to cookie. And like, it's like every December I get that craving for them and can't wait for her to make them again. So right now it's one of my favorite cookies and cookie memories because they just make me think of the holidays and my husband's family and they're very special cookies. And she makes probably 10 different types of cookies every Christmas, but those are definitely the standout for me. Oh yeah. You got that plate there and you're like, Nope, I already know what I want. Yes. She knows they're my favorite. She will put them right in front of me and tell me to go to town and it's dangerous. It's a dangerous proposition. <laughs> oh, wow. They sound really good. They um, are. <laughs> great. And as holidays are coming. So that's when it all, that's when I start getting the requests for cookies from my family. They're like, are you going to make those, you know, snowflake, I could make these like snowflake ki- cornflake kisses um, and then a cornflakes and walnuts and, uh, coconut oh, yeah. and it's a meringue. And then you just dollop them on and they're just like, they have to be eaten fresh. Cause if you eat them the next day, they're kind of, but they love them. They're like, are you can make that. I'm like, I make them every year. They're super easy. Yes. I'll do it again. I call it stretchy pants season, the holidays, because you're just, it's all the cookies, all the sweets. So it's time to bring out those comfy pants and just enjoy yourself. <laughs> Absolutely. And it's also getting colder. I mean, yeah. where remind us where you are in the, in the world. Yeah. We're right in DC. So today's actually a cold front here. It's like, you know, we've had 70 degrees out until now. So it's finally feeling like fall we're entering, um, in the fifties today. And so it's really turning. So, you know, we're pulling up the sweater weather it's getting into that season. It's comfy and, we're ready for that time. I think it was a long summer. <laughs> it was a long summer. It's been sweltering here in Texas and it's finally, it came through, I think on Monday. And I mean, I was walking on my kid's campus today. I was like, Oh, it's so chilly. And <laughs> to us is like 55, 60. I mean, that's chilly. And that's about what it is right now. Maybe 75, which is it's still sweater weather here <laughs> <laughs> for you guys. That's sweater weather. We're, we're in t-shirts until we drop into fifties or below. <laughs> Right. Cause it's 110 here. So it's like, Oh, it's 90. It's, it's a cold front. It's very exciting for us. <laughs> very uh, climate. Well, with fall and um, winter break is coming up. So this is a perfect time for this book to come out uh, because everyone's probably, everyone's been so cooped up the last few years 
and everyone was even afraid to go outside during the pandemic. And when we spoke, we were really coming off the tail end the last time we spoke about, um, you know, the pandemic and things and how things were. So everyone's really antsy to get out and things are busting loose Mm -hmm. and why not be outdoors? And this is, this book is all about the national parks of the world or the country. I can't. The country. It's all about the United States and it covers everything from the 63 national parks that we have to all of the state parks and recreation areas, seashores and lake shores. So there's actually 400 sites overall under our national park service. And this book covers all 400, which is fantastic because I think a lot of people, when they think national parks, they're like, oh, there's not a national park close to me. I can't get to that very easily. But really with this book, you can go state by state and you can see there's so much within probably an hour's drive from your own backyard when you think about lake shores and state parks and all the other historical landmarks that the National Park Service has. So there's great opportunity to get outside and explore, even if it's not in one of the bigger national parks. Um, You can really just look at the maps we have and find the closest one to you. And I think it's going to inspire people. You know, we are traveling again. We feel safer outside a lot of times right now. And so this is a great way to be in the outdoors, see something new and find just a beautiful place to escape to. And especially for family and kids, I think, you know, let those kids run wild. They've been cooped up in the house for a very long time and they're ready to get out there and explore. And it's a fun way to do it as a family. Absolutely. And I think too, I, I know they lifted the ban of like face masks on planes, but there are people that still don't want to fly. And so they're renting RVs or they might be road tripping it more. And Mm -hmm. this book has a great um, resource in there for how to take the trail and what to do. Am I right on that? Or did I? Yeah, we give road trip suggestions for what to do and where to camp or park your RV, how far in advance you need to book camping sites. So if you're going to a popular site like the Grand Canyon, you have to plan far in advance and possibly book your campsite a year in advance for that one. Other parks, it's less urgent to get your campground booked so far in advance. So you can go through, you know, the area you want to be in and get the information for what you need to know for planning, for permit, for reservations, and how far in advance you have to plan. And then there are road trip recommendations for parks you can see like in a week trip, if you're going on winter break or summer break. You know, I always tell people the best place to start for a national park road trip is in Utah because there are five national parks right in Utah that in about a week or a week and a few days, you can see all five national parks in one road, very easy road trip. They're not that far apart from each other. They all offer something a little different. And then there are tons of state parks and in deserts and other things to see around those parks. So in between on those four hour long stretches of driving, you can still stop and stretch your legs. And it's a really good starting point if you're thinking about a road trip to the national parks. Yeah. That, I mean, if you can hit a bunch in, you know, a week long time and that's your thing, I think that's a wonderful thing. We went to, um, Yellowstone as a kid and I have fond memories. We think we hit Jackson hole at the same time. And we, as a kid, we road tripped everywhere. We literally drove to Massachusetts and New York every summer for two weeks. We did it in this van, this, um, Toyota van. (laughs) I call it the wonder wagon, but it wasn't a wonder wagon. It looked very similar. And we, man, we hit the road on those things and it was really wonderful. 
This is before iPhones, everyone, by the way, <laughs> before the drop down monitors and iPads. Like this is like we had a tube TV that my dad rigged with an antenna taped yep. up on the side and maybe we got a channel and it had a VCR and we watched yes. twin special. And <laughs> I mean, like, oh, yes, this is amazing. I had that same setup. We had the TV with the VCR that would sit in the middle. In the middle. And, yes. Right yeah. in the middle of the console. And, you know, otherwise when you weren't watching a movie, you had to talk to each other. I know strange, but okay, it, our games like bingo or, um, the license plate, the license, find every license plate. Yes. Yeah. Which I think, you know, you still want to make those memories with your kids when you're road tripping. And, you know, sometimes, you know, obviously the iPads now it's easy to, you know, when they're having a moment, get them all quiet, but you know, some of my fondest memories are in the car with my brothers and probably watching movies because I'm the youngest of three and there's a four and seven year age gap between me and my brother. So I was probably watching movies. I shouldn't have been watching. On those right. That happens with my five-year-old baby. He watches <laughs> way too advanced for him. Cause my nine-year-old's like, let's watch it. I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> oh God, I guess we're having this call, this conversation now, but right. you know, yeah. but you know, you remember those road trips and I think doing it and then having an experience in a national park. And those are, you know, if you're camping, if you're hiking, whatever you're doing in that national park after those road trips, all of that combines into a wonderful family memory. And we, you know, my family always did that growing up. We were always, we are the kind of travelers that don't sit still. We don't just plop down on a beach. We have to be doing something. So we've always, I've always been going to the national park since I was a child and trying, you know, different hikes, or we've gone horseback riding or bike riding in national parks. And it's something I want to share with my own kids. And I have a four-year-old and a one-year-old right now, and I'm excited for them to experience these places and really see some different parts of the country. And I think what is beautiful about this book is it shows you how diverse all of these places are throughout the country. You often think it's only the US, it's all gonna look the same, but none of it looks the same. You know, what you see on the East Coast in Acadia National Park is very different from what you'll get at Yellowstone National Park on the other end of the country. So I think that's fun to share with them too, how different every state is. Absolutely. I want to get, I want to go to Acadia. That's one of my next trips. Cause I want to go see the puffins. Yes, <laughs> I do. I want to go see the puffins and I grew up going to the East coast. So the East coast, it's like beaches and more wildlife in the air and like, mm -hmm. sea. and then you go West and you go to like Yellowstone and you have like bison and hot springs and like old faithful. So way too different experiences. Yeah. And then everything in between the country, you have desert, you have the badlands in South Dakota, you have, um, even in Florida, it's different. The national parks, they're one of the national parks, dry tortugas in Florida. Most of the natural park is actually what's underwater. So you're right. snorkeling there, you know, so there's so much to see and do and learn. And within the book, we also give the history of every park, which I think is also a fun teaching moment for your kids that while if you're road tripping or before you head out to visit one of these places, you can really teach them about where you're going beforehand using the information in this park in the book about that park. And then, you know, from there, use the tips and tricks to take the hike, to take that scavenger hunt and find some wildlife or find the type of tree that you might see in this park. And it's, it's really fun to show your kid that you will be amazed how much your kids go to these places. And, you know, in the age of screen time, they're still awed and shocked by these places and the beauty that they hold within. Absolutely. There's reasons why they are protected because it's 
the motherland. It's, it's nature. And you don't have to be like, a like knock down, drag out camper to go enjoy them. Like there's hotels, there's resorts, mm-hmm. there's plenty of places that you could stay and enjoy the, the outdoors. And Absolutely. you don't have to feel like a national park just for camping or just yes. RV people. Like we, we didn't sleep in our van. Like we stayed at a hotel. Like my right. mother never touch anything on dirt when it comes to sleeping. Like <laughs> she, <laughs> I mean, that's just not our thing, but my sister, she'll go and like sleep on the floor. Like she, yeah. we didn't go up that way. It's kind of odd. I'm like, you like to camp. It's <laughs> this is a twist. Yeah. Not a man that does it. So <laughs> it really is. There's something for everyone. And you build the trip your own way. You don't have to camp. You don't have to rough fit. You know, you can see a lot of these parks driving through them and just pulling over for a scenic overlook or taking that one mile hike off the the road rather than getting out and hiking for 15 miles to a campground, you know? So whatever type of traveler you are, there's something for you to do and a way for you to enjoy it that you don't have to be the roughing type of camper out there. Who's willing to have the sleeping bag on the dirt. Trust me. I don't do that. I'm not a big camper and I, there's so much to, you can rent cabins, you can stay at hotels nearby. There's a lot of infrastructure around these national parks to make it enjoyable for those who don't want to be out there roughing it. Sure. And you being the editor, did you make it a point to name things that are age appropriate for little ones since clearly you have little ones. So you have that perspective. And I think sometimes if you don't have little ones or it's been a really long time since you've had little kids, you forget. And so traveling, as you know, with kids, I don't care what age, to be honest, but little ones for sure take a lot of packing and a lot of, you gotta get creative. So yeah. Well, do you cover that on things that you could do with all age groups? Yeah, we mentioned with every, not every park, but most parks, you know, all the national parks aim to be child friendly, but what we call out is the most appropriate activity for young children within the park. So, you know, um, I'll give the Everglades as an example. The Everglades are really fun to explore as a family. It's like those, that wildlife moment, mommy, I saw a crocodile. I saw an alligator, you know, but you might not feel as safe necessarily going on an airboat with younger children, you know, water scary. Um, but there are actually uh, kids trails that are boardwalks that go through the marshes so that you'll still see that same wildlife, but you kind of feel more in control because you're walking on, on paved ground rather than floating on in the, in the water above. So we try to highlight those moments throughout the book and make sure that we're including both kid and ability friendly activities within all of the parks so that you kind of have a guide to, if I'm going here, what should I do with my children? Maybe what should I avoid? That's more adult friendly, you know? Um, I think to Zion National Park, there's a very popular hike called Angel's Landing. And you end up on a very tiny precipice overlooking the park and it's beautiful. I don't know that you'd want to take your children there because you're literally like climbing, holding a rope to get to the top of this. And so that feels very dangerous. And we wanted to make sure people understand the challenges of those hikes so that they can be prepared with their families that, you know, maybe if you have teenagers, that would be okay, but young children are not going to be able to do this hike. And instead, here's an alternative overlook you can get with a similar perspective so they can see the whole park, but you're not putting them in an area that you would feel unsafe having them in. Yeah. I think mentioning that I can't, I don't know. I have to probably ask my mom, but we went to Niagara Falls 
And that's an intense place because you have to wear these ponchos and all, you know, there was, I think, at least this is, this is a long, long time ago. There was an age uh, limit where you, like little kids couldn't go. And I don't know if they had that information or not again, before, not really before the internet, but you didn't have what you had. Like we use paper maps guys, or maybe <laughs> the Garmin. Uh, I, I mean, I think we did the paper maps back in the day. And um, I think we got there and they were like, oh, my sister and I couldn't go because it was our height because we're very short people or <laughs> our age. And we had to stay behind. So they had to like take turns because mm-hmm. they didn't prepare well. So my mom stayed with me while my dad went to the falls and then switched. And so mm-hmm. um, being more prepared that way, because you want to you're like, you get there and you're like, Oh, just kidding. <laughs> yeah. I can't do that. Yeah. And that's what I think is wonderful about all the activities here. It's there's going to be something for your kids within these parks, especially the more local state parks. Um, and otherwise, because those are smaller, they're not going to have the, the big gorges, the big cliffs, all that, that you might worry about. But again, we try to give as much advice as possible so that when you're planning, you'll know this is a more child-friendly area. This is best for families. This is best for seniors and really making sure people know what to expect when they get there. And then the best thing to do also, you know, I use this book. I tell people use this as your bucket list almost and go in there and say, I want to get to this place. I want to do this hike that they mention, but then always check the national park site because um, things are always changing, you know, Yellowstone, for instance, this past spring had major flooding and a lot of the hiking routes were washed out with the floods. So as much as we can prepare you in this book, you want to check the national park service site before you go, because routes can change or something has become less safe than it was before because nature, we can't control it. And so, you know, like me, for instance, for in, um, uh, where are we at near the in Las Vegas is where Lake Mead is, or maybe it's near it's just at an all-time low. So you mm-hmm. can't really do what they used to do out there because they're starting to find bodies from the 1930s. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I was just there in May and we did a helicopter tour and they were saying it was all-time low and there's still that drought there. And so they're like, we can't do what we used to do on this anymore. Exactly. So, you know, look in advance and make sure, you know, weather changes, weather patterns, you know, help like one of my favorite parks. And it's actually a really cool one to take kids to is um, if you can get out to Hawaii volcano national park, it's really fun because you can walk through lava tubes and lava fields. You can actually see lava spilling into the ocean, but again, nature strikes. And a few years ago, there was a volcanic eruption that actually wiped out a lot of the park and the, the driving routes and the hiking routes it's now reopened and those routes have been diverted so that they're safe again. But it's always as much as you plan an event advance check, you know, a week before you go two weeks before to make sure that it is exactly what you're expecting when you get there, because things in these parks, they're natural landscapes and things happen. So you have to be prepared. Right. Wildfires. I've been to that um, volcano national park and it was super, again, long, long time ago, <laughs> um, but I think that yes, you have to keep that. And sometimes the natural disasters can maybe release something else, but have you been able to go to a lot of these because you were doing the edits or 
how is that process? Cause you said it takes like four years to get, it takes book. four years. So I've been to a number of the parks, but we also have a, a really stellar team of national geographic travel writers who are constantly on the ground doing research. And so we update that this is actually the third edition of this uh, complete guide to the national parks that we have. And um, we constantly have these travel writers on the ground researching the book and because we know we're going to update it about every five years or so with new information. So while I've been to a lot of the parks, these travel writers are really the ones out there doing the research and they're on the ground. They're talking to park rangers because park rangers know um, the best information there is about the places they're working in every day. They're giving us their hidden gems, their best kept secrets about the park. So we're trying to pepper in that information. And we also have our National Geographic photographers who are constantly out in the field exploring. And so we take our own experiences, like my own in the parks that I've been to and the writers and the photographers, and we have a great stellar team of writers that captures that all in. And then I oversee the process of putting it all together and making it a cohesive package. And it's really fun because you know, I feel so lucky to be in the job I'm in because when I'm not able to get to these parks myself, I'm traveling there from my desk chair every day. I'm seeing the imagery, I'm seeing the text come in and how wonderful these parks sound. And I'm adding to my own bucket list along the way while I'm working on these books. Yeah, I bet. And I think to, to highlight that these national parks are state run. So any state park that you go to, I mean, they get the funding and it's, you know, they're, they're private. So I don't know if it's private, but is the right word, but they don't like any, you want traffic, you want tourism because that's what keeps them open and maintained. And so there's a benefit to going to your parks too. Yeah, absolutely. They want to see people enjoying these spaces. The more people they have, you know, when you're buying, if you're buying your annual national park pass that goes to help fund and protect these places. And, you know, the, they have, and a reason to keep them going as they see more and more people enter the parks and to preserve these places. And there's a delicate balance, you know, you don't want them to get overcrowded, but you want to be sure they're being used and enjoyed because it gives impetus for more funding behind these parks, for more protection, for more resources to go into these sacred lands that we really want to preserve and protect and the wildlife within it as well. And I think that's also going back to bringing your families, it's a really important thing to teach your kids of why these places matter and how to interact in these places. You know, even as adults, we see these animals and we're, we're shocked. We're like, oh my gosh, it's a moose. It's a bison. You know, it's really cool to see, but making sure that our kids understand, like we are on their land when we are in these parks and we have to respect that. And that means not feeding the animals, not trying to touch the animals, which of course is dangerous both for them and for us, but making sure that we're really practicing leave no trace behind when we're in these places so that, you know, it's not just up to the park rangers to protect these areas. It's up to us as well. So when we're visiting, being respectful of all the boundaries that you have to maintain while you're in these places is really important. And I think it's a good lesson to teach your kids from an early age so that one day their children can enjoy these parks too. No, I, I a hundred percent agree. Um, I remember going to Yellowstone, there were bison and the park rangers were like in these specific places, the bison don't really know what people are and you see them from a distance, but then they say, <laughs> I laugh because I just still have this very vivid memory. And then if you find them on the park grounds, 
you don't really, they know what people are and we stay away from them because they could hurt you or whatever. And we were walking back to, I think our lodge or something. And there was a bison that just was like walking parallel to us, probably about 50 feet. And we were like, oh my God. So we <laughs> were like, ah, this is on campgrounds. We don't want it to come charging at us. Like it didn't really look at us, but it was walking with us. And so we mm-hmm. crossed the street and walked on the other side and get put a little distance. My sister was so scared and she flipped, she like went like a hundred feet away and then crossed the street and <laughs> back. Like she was so terrified that this thing was going to turn and like kill us. <laughs> and it was because we were just being overly cautious. Mm-hmm. I think probably would have happened to be honest, but she was so horrified and she <laughs> it was extreme. And I just remember laughing. I'm like, Oh my gosh. Like it's, she was like better thing. safe than sorry. I'm not getting plowed by a bison right now. <laughs> no, we're sitting there. It's like, you're actually causing us to sit here longer waiting for you to right. get we could be gone and involved. away from this thing. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It was just funny, but she, it was like, she was so scared. We're like, Oh my God. <laughs> Cause we're little and we're kids and we've never seen these animals yeah. and we're not educated. It's like, if you leave it alone, it'll, it'll leave you alone. Um, yeah. I still see deer around my house and I am always stopping to look cause I, think Oh yeah. It's, you know, it's wildlife and it's beautiful. And even when you have deer in your own backyard, you're like, wow. So imagine seeing these Buffalo and these bigger animals, the, the alligators in Florida, like it's really cool to see these things in real life and, you just have to be mindful to do it in a safe way. <laughs> well, you have to remember they were there first and then yes. we come later. And it's, I lived in Florida for 11 years and you would constantly see a, every day, like some sort of alligator or crocodile alligator getting into someone's house. And it's like under the bed because yeah. you left our screen door open and it's mm-hmm. like, oh, how dare it come in and try to eat the dog? Well, you're in its backyard too. Yes. Yeah. And leave the door open. It's going to come in. Like, <laughs> might be in your pool because, Hey, why not? It's a body of water. So remembering that they're, that they're there first. Exactly. One of my favorite examples of this, it's actually one of the parks that's in the book and it's a really great experience, especially for older kids. Like I would say eight and older, but Assateague Island, which is near me actually in Maryland and Virginia, it's a national seashore. And it's, there's a herd of wild ponies that have lived on this Island for forever. I don't, I can't even tell you how long. Um, and they've been protected by the national park service. And so now you can go to this Island, you can make a day trip and just go and see the wild ponies, or you can camp on the Island with the wild ponies, which is a really cool experience, but they're so strict there and rightfully so about how you interact with these ponies. Um, to the point, you know, if you're camping, which I did two summers ago, um, they're lock boxes for all of your food because the ponies will walk right up to your campsite and try to eat what you have. And, you know, it's really cool because you're very up close, but you are not to touch the ponies. You have to keep a respectful distance. And if they come onto your campground, this is their home. So you just kind of have to freeze and let them explore and, and let them move on. And there was a moment, I'm not, not going to lie. I was sleep, I was trying to fall asleep in our tent that night. And I was like, what if they just like gallop through here in the middle of the night while we're sleeping, you know, but 
they've learned to deal with people being there, but it's still their home. And you have to remember that and you don't want to change their environment. So it is important to lock up that food and make sure they're not eating human food. Um, and something that could really disrupt the entire herd by introducing them to a diet that's not natural to them. But it's a really cool experience to see these ponies in person. They're beautiful. And you know, I, when we were there, it was just my husband and I and some friends, but it, we saw a lot of kids and, you know, it's almost like a storybook, like all of these horses just walking around, laying on the beach, sunbathing. It's so wow. fun to see. That's so cool. That sounds actually right up my alley. I can totally see my eight-year-old like trying, I'm like, don't like, we just took him to the beach and it's like, don't feed the seagulls. Why? Because when you feed <laughs> one, 20 come and then yeah. what happens to the food has to come out. And so it's like, that's why they come around you. So you have to be mindful and, um, I bet that's really cool with wild horses and, and things. Um, I think I, I like nature and I, I think, um, every, uh, state and area has its own thing to offer. They do. And there's, I think, you know, that's, I, that's really important to me with this book is realizing how much is right in your own backyard. And I really wanted to emphasize it. It's why we included maps in the book so that you can really physically see just how close a lot of these places are to you, because there are certain states that don't have a larger national park, but they do have something there that you can go and explore, whether it's a lake that's federally protected or a beach, there are beaches that are actually state parks, um, a lot of forests and national recreation areas. So really finding what's close to home, if you can't make a big trip, I think it's going to be a really good opportunity for people to explore this book. And it's divided by region. So you can really easily find the region that you live in. And then within that region, find your state and see what's there. And there's a lot of history about the country within these national parks too. A lot of them are protected lands or they're places that, you know, a famous president that wanted to protect or grew up in or a famous um, tribe. We have parks that have ancestral cliff dwellings in New Mexico that are carved into the cliffs in these national parks. So there's so much history to see within as well as the nature and the wildlife. Yeah, it's like the Grand Canyon is actually on an Indian reservation. When we went there, they have that glass thing that you can go out on, but there was a guy that was part of the tribe. Well, the tribe works the scene. And so he was telling us like, do you see the Eagle? And I'm like, what? It's like, well, we call it Eagle's point for a reason. I'm like, I don't get it. And they looked and you can see it in, mm-hmm. and it's all natural. And then there's also, then what he did is he told um, us and he has um, like pictures on his phone because he lives there and he just had his iPhone out and he goes, this is all the stages of the sun. And he's like, told us the story of all, of the three men walking away. And then if you go to the other side of it in the morning, you'll see this. And it was a whole story of like the old chiefs and the Eagle and it's a lion. And I'm like, you would never know that if you didn't talk to the locals or talk to the people that are working there, because I was just like, everyone was staring and taking pictures. I'm like, I don't, it's, I, okay. I took it and they're like, no, it's, I'm like, oh, yeah. oh my gosh, I feel so stupid. It's like, you can see it right there. Um, yeah. And that's special to get that story, you know, and I think that's, that's another favorite tip I have for when you're visiting these parks. A lot of them are actually co-run by the native tribes that live there and the federal government or state government. Um, But if it's not 
if it is just the park itself, along with talking to the tribe leaders that might be part of it, talk to the park rangers too, because they know those stories and that history and they know all the tips and tricks about the park. So like I always say, people oftentimes want to skip over the visitor center. They're like, I don't need to go into that. I think in our minds, we view it as going to an amusement park and you get off the ride and you end up at the gift shop. Like I think people think of park visitor centers that way. And it's not the case at all. That's where you're going to get all of that fun information and talk to park rangers who can tell you that history, those interesting stories about these lands and about why they're so special, why they're protected. And so I always say, especially you know, if you're interested in history or want to learn more, definitely go in those visitor center and make a point to talk to the park rangers because they will tell you more than you ever thought existed within these parks themselves. Yeah. They're like a walking computer at where you can actually have some personal interaction with them as well. Instead of just <laughs> exactly. reading about it. I mean, that's great. I mean, computers are great as well, but <laughs> Alexa is great too. Like she knows lots, she but, knows <laughs> <laughs> but, um, well, my last question for you is what did you add to your bucket list? So one, it's actually a whole, the state of Michigan has like really gone on my bucket list. I've only visited a few times, but they have so much in terms of the parks in Michigan. And they're so unique to ones that I've been to before, because I haven't spent a lot of time doing kind of lake shores. I grew up on the East coast. Everything we have is really ocean beachfront kind of experiences when you're talking about a shore or a coast. Um, but in Michigan, they have the great lakes nearby and they have these really cool parks. One is Isle Royale in Michigan. Another is, um, sleeping bear dunes, national lake shore, which sounds amazing because they have these giant sand dunes that you can climb and have these cool overlooks and even probably do some sandboarding. But then the lake itself in this part of the park is um, motorboats are not allowed in it. So you can easily take a kayak or a canoe out and have this like really peaceful experience on the lake. And a lot of the park experiences here are actually going out on the water and rowing like to an island or rowing island to island and seeing all the sea life or lake life that lives there fishing. And so I really want to get in Michigan. It seems really cool. Even in the winter, um, on the shores of a lot of these parks, they have a lot of ice caves and stuff. So they just have a really unique um, park experience to go to. And it's definitely the top of my bucket list right now. Very cool. I was just curious because you saw all this and I think you even touched on the islands. I think I did. I see something in there about like St. Croix and you do the, the, uh, American, uh, territories as well. It's not just like the physical 50 States. Yeah. We cover the territories as well. So there's actually, um, a national park in America, Samoa and on the Virgin islands as well as, a, as a few others. So, and in Puerto Rico, so all the territories are covered. So there are even some Caribbean ex escapes in there that you can find if you're a, a beachy warm weather person. Excellent. Well, this, I can tell you, I've, it's sitting on my coffee table and I took a picture of it and sent it to my brother-in-law who loves just camping and he's a photographer um on the side and he just does it like a hobby and so he was super excited he's like can you bring that over i really <laughs> got it and they really want to buy an rv one day so uh, i got really excited and i looked through it and it's got amazing pictures a lot of great information and so uh, i highly encourage you to go and grab it i think getting a a book and a physical something instead of looking on your phone a, it's better for your eyes because blue light all the things, but it's like it, you can read it and it's, you can touch it. And I think you absorb it more when you're reading it. And, and so I really encourage you to go get a hard copy of it. And, uh, 
it's a wonderful book. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah. And you know, if you can't get out right now, I think it's also having this book in your hands, you can go to these places from your armchair and really escape from your own home and start planning your trip to get out there. So I think it's really something you'll want to keep on the coffee table and turn to again and again. I love when National Geographic sends me books because they're always <laughs> great and they're big and they're bulky and they're just like hearty books that you don't see anymore. And I have all of them on my coffee table. And so when I open up my package and see the yellow, I was like, Ooh, it's another, and my son <laughs> will come over because he loves National Geographic. Sometimes I'll have kids stuff and he's like, eyes it. And I'm like, you can't touch it yet. I still need to talk to the author. I still need to look at it. <laughs> and then you can look at it. And so he gets really excited. So I, just having it around, it's helping my children as well, look through it and um, it's educational. So I, I really, really like it and a good, great job on it for sure. Oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. That's amazing. And just to remind our listeners who've been here before is where can we find you? What do you have coming up? Um, those types of things. So you can find me, I'm on Instagram at alliren.edits and then on nationalgeographic.com. You can always find the work we're doing. We have some really exciting projects coming up this uh, December. We're coming out with the sequel to the blue zones kitchen, which is the blue zones, American kitchen and its recipes from the U S that help you gain 10 years in your life expectancy by eating healthy. So that's really fun coming down the line. And then um, I'm really excited for, uh, And I think it's next May, we have a book coming out um, that I'm just finishing up now along these lines called Great Outdoors USA. And we give you 20 outdoor adventures right in every state of the country. And I think that'll be another really fun one for people to get their hands on and start exploring the outdoors a bit more. And that's great timing because it's right before summer. And so exactly plan your summer vacation. (laughs) Absolutely. I think my mom's a planner. She'll plan for, she's already asked me about next summer. I'm like, let me get through Halloween. I (laughs) I can't even think about tomorrow right now. I'm a planner too, but she's like, Hey, you know, if I'm going to book it, I got to book it now. And I'm like, hi, it's July mom's gotta get, gotta get the house in Cape Cod. It's like, gotta get it going. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And then there's me booking a house like two weeks before because right. <laughs> they didn't have rent. And I'm like, she's like, you got a house. I'm like, mom, there's other ways. Yeah. There are new <laughs> ways to find houses. Yeah. <laughs> a realtor every time, but a big planner. So she likes that kind of stuff. Yeah. But, uh, thank you again for being here. Uh, come back. Thank again. you. I'd love to. And uh, <laughs> listeners go check out uh, the book. Uh, for the national parks and uh, Allie on uh, Instagram. All the links will be in the show notes. And thank you again for listening to another episode of the chaos and cookies podcast. Thank you again for listening to the chaos Cookies podcast for more information on my chaos control system and coaching program, please visit chaosandcookies.com. And you can always reach out to me via DM or via email. All of my contact information is there. It is a complete guide for you to get it all together and create a manual for your home and really be prepared for anything and everything. For more information, please visit the website and uh, pick up a copy of your free pocket playbook. And you can also do some travel plans just like uh, this book will help you uh, with your new uh travel plans when it comes to outdoors and national parks. And there's a whole uh, planning guide in the chaos control system.
Thank you for listening to the Chaos and Cookies podcast. If you want more goodies and friends to share them with, follow the crumbs to the Facebook group or visit the Chaos and Cookies website to grab my sweet secrets on how to calm your cookies. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review on iTunes. See y'all next week for another episode of Chaos and Cookies. Thank you.